Yeah, that's beautiful. So anybody who's had kids can relate to this. In fact, anybody who uh, ever deals with any people in their lives can, can relate with this. I think that's probably all this. So the, uh, the mother ran into the bedroom because she heard her seven-year-old son scream. And she found his two-year-old sister pulling his hair. And so she gently released his, his, her, the, uh, the little girl's grip and said comfortingly to the boy, uh, there, there, she didn't mean it. Uh, she doesn't know that it hurts. And he nodded his acknowledgement, and, and she left the room. And as she started down the hallway, the girl screamed. And rushing back in, she said, what happened? And the little boy said, she knows now. Well, you know what, I think that that's how we are. That's how we tend to be. Uh, If somebody hurts us, our our natural tendency is to want to repay that that hurt. And if, you know, we might might feel like it's our our right to retaliate, to to take revenge. And, you know, we might even have friends that encourage us to, to do that, you know, to get back at somebody who's who's done us wrong. And, but you know what? Jesus says, no. No, that's, that's wrong thinking. That's absolutely wrong thinking. You know, how, how does that square with the commandment that, that Jesus gives to, uh, to love one another as, as he has loved us? And, um, you know, I know it can be hard to love some people. Uh, but God knows that. Uh, he, he knows our weaknesses, and uh, that's why he addresses this, this very issue in uh, today's text, which is uh, Matthew five thirty-eight to 48. You know, we just, we just sang to, to the Lord, teach us how to love one another. And then later on, it was, there, there, was, there were the, the words in, in the midst of strife. This is, this is something I think we can all relate to. Read with me uh, today's text, starting with Matthew 5.38. Jesus says, right here, You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even the tax collectors do the same. If you, if you greet only your brothers who... If you only greet your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You, therefore, must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's begin by talking about what Jesus says about reconciliation, or not reconciliation, but that, that comes later, but about retaliation, what Jesus says about retaliation. 
In, uh, in some ancient societies, uh, punishment was handed out without regard for uh, individual cases. You know, often the penalty far exceeded the, the crime. And in, in ancient law, kind of the law of the land, it was established that uh, you know, punishment should not be disproportionate to the crime. You, know, you, you don't put somebody in front of the firing squad if they put a dent in your car, right? You don't, you know, if somebody steals your wallet, we, we don't cut their hand off. There might be some societies that do, but we don't do that. You know, and, and in order to protect people from unjust retaliation, the, the law of Moses in the Old Testament was given for our protection, you know, to make sure that the, uh, the justice system is actually just in its punishment. And here's what the law of Moses says in Leviticus uh, 24, 17 through 22. It says, whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good, life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor... As he has done, it shall be done to him, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good, and whoever kills a person shall be put to death. You shall have the same rule for the sojourner and for the native, for I am the Lord your God. And you know, because of our, because of our sinful hearts, we might... We might take such a law and feel like it's not only our, our right to do this, but it's our obligation. We might feel like it's, it's our job to, uh, <clears throat> to take out vengeance on, on people who have hurt us. So, you know, if you run over my dog, I might look at this law and say, I, I need to make you pay. I can run over your dog. It's my responsibility. If you put a dent in my car, I'm going to come after your car with a hammer. Uh, you know, if you hurt me in any way, it's my responsibility to hurt you in, in return. Do you see what kind of sinful, fleshly attitude this is? But if we truly follow what, follow what uh, James calls the royal law, do you know what the royal law is? Love, love one another. That we should love our neighbor as, as ourselves. You know, if I if I mess up, I'd, I'd appreciate if you cut me some slack. That's how I'd like to be treated. <laughs> yes, and Jesus is saying that's that's how you need to look at other people when when they hurt you. Think how think how you would want to be treated. You know, give me some grace. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like it if you didn't come after me with, with wrath in your heart. And by the way, the, the purpose of the Old Testament law was not to require people to act, uh, to enact uh, repayment for, for wrong. You know, it was, it was in order to protect people from disproportionate uh, payback. You know, but Jesus turns this thing on its head. It turn, he turns this thinking just completely around. He he brings in an attitude of, of grace. Jesus makes it clear that 
you know, we, we should not be people who demand our rights, but rather that we should lay down our rights for, for others, for the good of others. And in this case, we should lay down what we think is our right to retaliate. Lay down that right. Lay down that right to take out revenge on, on one another. And there's a great passage in Romans where uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this. It's uh, Romans 12, 17 through 21. Paul says, Do not repay or, or repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for in so doing you'll heap coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a good verse to meditate on this week. Do not be be overcome by evil, but overcome overcome evil with good. And I'm going to repeat what I've been saying throughout this whole series on the Sermon on the Mount. God cares about what's in our heart. He cares about our motives. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9, I believe says this very, very well. Peter says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you will recall that you may obtain a blessing. Why why is this so difficult for us? You know, what is in us that desires and even demands that, that we exact revenge on, on each other. Here's, here's an interesting thing I read this week. While seeking to better understand the nature of aggression, David, David Chester of Virginia Commonwealth University, along with Nathan DeWall of the University of Kentucky, started a, a study on revenge. They discovered that a person who's insulted or socially rejected feels an emotional pain. The area in the brain associated with pain was most active in participants who went on to react with an aggressive response after feeling rejected. Chester said it's it's tapping into an ancient tendency to respond to threats and harm with aggressive retaliation. And in a follow-up study, he was surprised to find that emotional pain was intricately yoked with pleasure. That is, while rejection initially feels painful, it can quickly be masked by pleasure when presented the opportunity to get revenge. It even activates the brain known the brain's known reward circuit, the nucleus accumbens. People who are provoked behave aggressively precisely because it can be a rewarding experience. Revenge really can be sweet. And here's the problem right here. Revenge comes naturally 
to us. This is how we're wired. Uh, you know, when we, and when we speak of the, the flesh, you know, we're talking about our natural tendencies. We're talking about how we're wired. We're talking about what our heart is minus the Holy Spirit. This is how we are. That's why Jesus is bringing this up. These are the things we need God's help with. We need the Holy Spirit in our hearts. The desire for revenge is entirely from the flesh. And it's contrary to the Spirit. As as Paul says in Galatians 5, 16 through 17, I say walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In this case, the, the desire for revenge. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. You know, this, this desire to pay back is contrary to the Spirit. It's, it's fleshly. It's, it's sinful. Jesus says, do not resist the one who is evil. And this word resist in, in the original language, in the Greek language, it means to set yourself against someone. To set yourself against someone. Jesus is saying, do not respond in kind. Don't declare war on a person who is evil. That's not your job. <laughs> it's not my job. We don't declare war on anybody. You know, it's not our job to make someone else suffer for their sin. And Jesus goes on even further here. He said, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go to him with two miles. Or go with him for two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Does this describe us? Do we show this kind of grace to other people? We say, well, I'm just human. And you're right. You know, how do we how do we just our how do we um, justify how do we justify our desire for revenge? Uh, well, this is how I'm wired. That's true. We've already ter- determined that. That's that's why it's called the flesh. Our our natural state, de- <coughs> devoid of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says in verses 46 and 47, we. We need to go higher. Even, even the tax collectors and the Gentiles are okay. They're pretty good at uh, treating people well who treat them well. You know, there's, there's nothing special in that. That's, we all, we're all capable of that. You know, we need, we need the Spirit of God to change our hearts. So how do, how do we look at uh, people who cause us um, pain, people people who mistreat us? You know, um, are, are there are they our enemies? Jesus uses this word enemy. Jesus says, "Love your enemy, love them." And here's another place where Jesus says, "You know, you've heard it said, you've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and, and hate your enemy." There's a uh, 
Jewish rabbi, he's still alive, I believe, Rabbi Joseph Telushkin. And he wrote a very big, thick book on uh, Jewish literacy. I, I read this in, in seminary for a uh, world mission class, uh, it's evangelism in the uh, Jewish context. Jewish literacy, the most important things to know about the Jewish religion is people in history. So if you want to know about Judaism, this is the uh, definitive, definitive book written by a rabbi. Anyway, Rabbi Telushkin, in one particular section, he points out the differences between Judaism and Christianity, and he distills it to just a very small number of points in, in which uh, Judaism and, and Christianity are just opposite. Uh, most significantly, they don't believe that uh, Jesus can forgive sins. They don't believe that Jesus is who he claims to be. You know, they, they reject that he's the Messiah, the, the anointed one from God, sent to bear our sins. Uh, they, they do not believe in his deity. To them, he was just a guy, just a man. They reject Jesus' claim that no one comes to the Father but by him. Uh, this is huge. They, essentially, they reject Jesus. But the, the second point beyond all that was uh, Rabbi Telushkin says, Jews do not love their enemies. He says that Judaism demands that the wicked be offered powerful resistance. Referring to what Jesus says in this teaching, he says, Jews do not turn their other cheek. They don't love their enemies. They hate their enemies. And this is the attitude that the people in Jesus' time had. And Jesus just inverts this way of thinking. What he describes is uncommon love. Here, here's a question. Who is my enemy? I, I looked up this word in, in the uh, Greek lexicon. It's uh, ekthros. It has to do with uh, pertaining to be subject or pertaining to being subjected to hostility, being hated, or pertaining to, the, to being hostile and hating. In other words, by definition, the feelings and actions go both ways. My enemy is my enemy is because he's hostile towards me. He hates me. And my enemy is my enemy because I feel the same way about him. And I act the same way towards him. And Jesus says, no, let's redefine this. Let's look at this completely different. If someone is your enemy, let it be a one-way street. You need to completely turn it around when it comes to looking at this person and, and, and treating this person. The, the enemy, the enmity exists because he has made you his enemy. You see the difference? And he takes it even further. How do we treat this person who has made you their enemy? Our inclination is to just do the, the things back, to have that same attitude, to take those same actions, to make them pay. Uh, there's, there's a book, uh, I don't know if you've read it, it's called The, uh, the Spirit of the Rainforest. This is a book I read in uh, World Missions class in, in uh, seminary. And it's, it's an account of this group of... Uh, Yanomamo Indians in South Africa, not Africa, South America, South America, 
and uh, through, through several ge- generations. And the story is written by a, an anthropologist, a Christian anthropologist. And the, it's told through the voice of this uh, shaman uh, called Jungle Man. And this society was brutal. It was a violent society, very harsh. Uh, the worst actions were, were prompted by uh, their, their de- demonic spirit guides, the, the spirits of the rainforest. And beyond staying alive, the driving force behind their culture is one of revenge, getting even with their enemies. And this book is very disturbing in its graphic accounts of savage rape and, and murder against their enemies. And thankfully, the account shows that when these people had a genuine encounter with, with the Lord Jesus, they changed. There was, there was a transformation in this, this cycle of revenge ended. Beautiful story. But, you know, we're more civilized than that. You know, we don't, we don't live in the jungles of, of Ecuador. Uh, we might think we're more civilized, but listen to how James attributes unloving behavior to demonic forces. Listen to this. Check it out. James three fourteen through 18. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure and peaceable and gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Well, this goes back to what Jesus says about retaliation, doesn't it? If someone decides to be your enemy, don't reciprocate. Love them. Don't retaliate. Now, here, here's another question. You know, Jesus said, you, you've heard it said this, that you should love your enemy or love your, your neighbor, love your brother and hate your enemy. Does the Bible ever say that, to hate your enemy? It certainly says to love your brother, to love your neighbor. Let's look at Leviticus 19, 17 through 18. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, could it be that people are drawing the wrong conclusion for this, from this? Could they be extrapolating and saying, well, it says I should, I should love my brother and my neighbor. So conversely, does that mean I should hate the person who's not my brother, I should hate my neighbor. And this is the, misinterpre- the misinterpretation that Jesus is addressing here. Because that's what they're saying. Love your brother, hate your enemy. Let's look at what uh, Proverbs twenty five twenty one in the Old Testament says about how we should treat our enemy. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. 
for you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. Are we able to turn our cheek? Or are we able to go that extra mile with the person who demands it from us? Are we able to do that if this person hates us and despises us? This is convicting for me. Um, Jesus ends with this key point that we should imitate God. This is, this is where it comes together. This, this is the, the solution right here because Jesus is asking something of us that is difficult, if not impossible, to do on our own strength. Jesus says, do these things. Treat people this way. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you that you may be the sons of your Father who's in heaven. Remember in the Beatitudes, Jesus used that same language about peacemakers, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the the children of God, the sons of God. What's he saying? He's saying like father, like son, right? Jesus is talking about family likeness. In our our church in Big Fork, Montana, there's this one family, uh, Bud and Trish, and they had these three daughters, and the, the three daughters all looked alike. They were different ages. And they all looked like their mom, kind of. And they all looked like their dad, kind of. I mean, there was, no, there was no, you could not convince anybody that these people were not related to each other. I mean, I, I've never seen such a striking familial resemblance as in this family. It, it, was, it was uncanny. You know, we don't, we don't look physically alike. Thankfully, nobody looks like me here. But we recognize believers by their actions, right? We should be recognizable as children of God, children of our, our Heavenly Father. How and why? Uh, because we're people of peace. Because we, we love others with this uncommon love. We're, we're peacemakers. Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples because you love one another. Here he says, this, this is part and parcel. That, you know, we'll, we'll demonstrate our, our likeness to our Heavenly Father when we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Jesus says, you, you therefore must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. There you go. Uh, that's pretty simple, right? Be perfect. Just as God is perfect. Um, what is he saying here? He's saying we must be complete. We must be mature. We must, we must be heading in that direction of, of imitating our Father. Paul says in Ephesians, as as beloved children, imitate God. We we must become like him in his mercy, his his love, his his ability, and his willingness to to forgive. You know, Jesus Jesus came as our, our Savior. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. You know, he lived the perfect life without sin, and he said of himself something very 
amazing. He said, I'm gentle and lowly. Can we, with honesty, can we say that, yeah, this is how we are? Uh, I know I come up short, far short of this. How about you? You know, 1 Peter 2, 23 through 24, speaking of Jesus, listen to what he says. When he was reviled, when he was reviled, what did he do? He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to the, the judge, to him whom, whom judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. <coughs> Are we vengeful, vindictive people? Do we know people who are vengeful, vindictive people? I think we all do. And we can all slip into this kind of attitude and this, this fleshly behavior sometimes. But it's God's will that we become like Christ. It's God's will that, that we imitate our, our Heavenly Father. Paul says in Romans 5, 6 through 11, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For, no, for, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person, or a, a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we shall rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we now have received reconciliation. This is what Jesus did for us. This was the attitude that God had for us while we were his enemies. And he's asking that we do the same for each other. This is love. Uncommon love. We, we were sinners. We were in rebellion against God. We, we were his enemies. And he loved us. It's calling us to do the same. Let's, let's entrust ourselves to he who judges justly, which is our, our Heavenly Father. If, if you've heard enough sermons, you've, you've probably heard multiple times uh, about the different words for love in the, in the New Testament, in Greek. Uh, you've probably heard maybe three or four. It's actually seven. I'm not going to talk about all seven. Here's a couple of them. Uh, Eros is romantic, passionate love. This is the erotic love between a man and a woman. Uh, philia is intimate, authentic friendship. You know, this, this is the word that, from which we get the, the city name, Philadelphia, the, uh, the city of brotherly love, right? This is what you might experience with the guys on your sports team, uh, Remember that movie, Band of Brothers? Anybody see that? This was the, the kind of love that those guys had with each other. They were fighting together in battle, and they just became close because they were, so, they were 
you know, everything about their lives was just together. It's a great movie series. But the one I want to talk about is Agape. That's, a, that's an empathetic, universal love. This is the kind of love that God has for us. This is the kind of love that uh, Jesus is talking about here. This is the word he's using. We're to love in the same manner that God loved us. It's not a self-seeking love. It's a, it's a love that seeks the best for the beloved. And as those who are in the family of God, this is the same love we must have for, for each other. Even those who hate us, persecute us, despise us, This is uncommon love. It's, it's rare. It's precious. But this is what this is what describes those who are new creations in Christ. You know some of the some of the works of the flesh that Paul mentions in Galatians five are. This, this is just a partial list here. I'm not reading them all, but listen to these: enmity. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. And Paul warns of these things, these these works of the flesh. He says, those that do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he goes on. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and and desires. Uh, We need to put these fleshly ways to, to death. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts to bear this this good fruit. This this is something that can only come from one who has the indwelling Holy Spirit, who enjoys the, the continual presence of God in his or her heart. Let me conclude by saying that you know, as we go through this teaching, I'm I'm deeply convicted. This this is a tough sermon to preach this week. You know, in, in the flesh, I want to strike back to the, at, at the people who attack me. You know, I, I want to insult people who relentlessly insult me and revile me. I, I, in my flesh, I want to exact an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus says, no. No. You need, you need to go up on higher ground. You're you're a child of God. He says, be like me. And Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. And that's true. I know that. I can tell you absolutely that is true in my heart, in my life. You know, I I find this to be so true. It's It's a struggle. And I have a long way to go in my spiritual maturity. I believe we all do. You know, we have no right to hate each other. Uh, 
bitterness is is a burden that's that's too heavy for any of us to bear. We need to lay it down and take Jesus' burden on us. It's light. He's meek and lowly. Jesus was insulted. He was reviled. He was insulted. He was rejected by those he created. Yet we read, you know, he did, he did not return reviling for reviling. He did not return evil for evil, insult for insult. He didn't do any of that. He showed perfect grace towards those who made him their enemy. That's us. He loved us. He died for us. Uh, he showed us mercy. He showed us forgiveness. Uh, let's consider him. Let's be like him. Let's yield to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God in, in this area. We need him. Let's pray. Father, I'm amazed at at the magnitude of the love that that you've shown us, that you show us every day, every moment. Um, Lord, how, how is it that you would love someone like me? you do and I thank you Lord Lord I pray that you incline our hearts towards you that, that you would bend our wills toward toward yours um, let our desires Lord be the same as yours help us to look people the way that you see them transform us Lord change us mold us conform us Lord to uh, to your image fill us with your spirit uh, let us bear fruit, Lord, not, not the fruit of bitterness, but, but of uh, your spirit, Lord, that we would bear love and, and peace. And we acknowledge, Lord, we can't do this without you. Take us, Lord. Use us to, uh, to do your will, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be the people who are, are pleasing to you. Be glorified in us, Lord, individually and as a church. Be glorified in us today, Lord. And let our attitudes and actions be um, pleasing to you. For Jesus' sake, amen.